You're listening to the Light Forge Podcast, the key to unlocking your arena success with your co-hosts, ADWCTA and Murps. Welcome to the Light Forge. This is Adwoktan. This is Murps. And we got a lot to talk about. All right, first things first, no debating you guys. This is going to be a BG-centric podcast for those of you who are 100% BG. Yes, 100% BGs. So if you're interested in Arena, I'm sorry that Blizzard didn't give Arena anything. Blizzard didn't even freaking hit the button, okay? We're talking like the the, the, the Druid is what like 37% win rate below 37%. I didn't even check. It got too depressing. Um, but yeah, nothing happened. So we're we're still waiting on that. Druid so, no is arena now talk this week. 36.9%. Nice. Oh god. Not not nice, but nice. Uh, so no arena this week. Maybe arena next week. We don't know. It's kind mm-hmm. of nice uh, for Blizzard to just ignore this, haha. <laughs> uh, but we'll we'll see if there's any news on the arena front. Probably not. However, BGs got the biggest update we have literally ever seen since BGs has come out. I know I've said this a, a couple of times because you know those were the biggest, and this is by far the biggest update. Uh, that came in the form of patch 21.2. So let's just dive right in. We're going to talk a little bit about the general stuff, overall changes. Adwokta is going to be Puppet Adwokta. He has not played much BGs. Uh, I played one game. He played one game. I went back and painfully saw your uh, Akazamzarak game. You were. I got seventh. To say that you were lost would have given you way too much credit. That, that this would've... is a totally new game. It's a totally new game, but totally fear not. Totally new game. I have been watching a lot of streams. I've played a lot myself. I'm not going to say I'm like back on the grind. I'm I have, I'm not back on the leaderboards yet because that, that just takes way too many games right now. Uh, I think right now I'm like almost 7K. So I'm like, I don't know, 600 away from the leaderboards. But um, it it'll take a while for me, but I feel confident enough actually pretty confident and be able to tell you what the meta is and what are the strategies in order to find uh wins and consistently high placements so that's what we're gonna do all right let's dive right in uh number one battlegrounds is out of beta now and it has its own button it's great you're gonna make the mistake like a lot of people do of clicking the modes button but battlegrounds has graduated it has its own button right below the Hearthstone button. More, yeah, more more importantly is that Constructed is now called Hearthstone. It's weird, isn't it? Not Constructed, not Play. It is called Hearthstone, which means everything else we've been doing is not Hearthstone. So we just need to clarify that we are now officially no longer Hearthstone streamers. Yeah. Nor is most of the other Hearthstone streamers. Yeah. So now uh, Solo Adventures and Brawl are in the mode section with Arena. Arena really has like gotten just demoted over and over <laughs> again. And you could see the ascent that Battlegrounds uh, has uh, kind of seen with their elevation. They have their own new button. <laughs> um, there's been some general updates to BGs as well. Uh, so number one, there is a specific keyword added called Avenge. And what it means is... If it's Avenge 2 or Avenge 3, that means it does something after X number of friendly minions die. So if it's Avenge 2, that means after two 
friendly minions die, something happens. Like this whatever thing procs. Mm -hmm. uh, Avenge can proc multiple times per battle. That's important to know. It's not just a one-time effect. It can proc multiple times, which is very important for some of these new units. They increase the length of turns three through nine by five seconds. How do you feel about that? I played and did not notice. It was very confusing. We need way more than five seconds. Um, I mean, we, we really, it's not even about like adding more time, really. It's about like how, how Battlegrounds is fundamentally like the things you need to do in a turn, right? Um, but it was fine. It was fine because I was out by seventh and you don't really get to a lot of the, you know, super APM heavy turns when you're out by, by at seventh. Yeah. Those are usually reserved for people who stay around to like, you know, top four, top five. Also, I saw in your run, you needed much more than five seconds to read the new cards. Uh, There's for so many new cards. And, like, they all say different things. And they're not, like, very few words. There's a lot of words on these cards now. M many words. Things are complicated. Okay. Additionally, Dark Moon prizes have been disabled. I think a lot, a lot of people are happy about this because it creates a very different game. Much more high rolly. Uh, you know my feelings on the prizes overall. I thought they were interesting when they came out. I'm fine with them being disabled. Maybe we'll see them again in the future in another form. Um, there was a BG rating reset. And the word is that internal ratings were basically brought back from, you know, if you were uh, a leaderboard player or above, uh, everyone that was above 8K was brought to 8K and then... If it was lower than 8K, then that's where you kind of started. Like, that sucks. I'm, like, not an 8K player anymore, but I have to compete against people who actually know how to play this game. Like, it's just, uh, like, they, they, they can get more precise with this system in the future. Well, I think you might actually be, like, because they based it on what you were last season. Yeah, but last season I was 8K because they reset it to 8K the season before. Yeah, yeah. They never but, reset you below 8K. No, no, no. So I'm always but, 8K. But then this season, your internal <clears throat> is a reflection of your external. That's what no. I thought happened. No, no. That's not That's not what happened. They, they that Your internal is a reflection of your old internal. There's no way the people I was playing up against was, inter was like internal and previous season external, like 200 or whatever I was at last season. Zero percent chance. <laughs> I don't they know. Were, like, well, no, I don't know. Do I don't know if you ever start at two hundred. I think it would just be like four k if that happened. I'm not saying that's what happened mm. to you. I'm saying that if it were to happen, I don't think anyone starts at zero anymore. I think it still is like four k. You know, because like I think even if you started off like at the very beginning, like brand new account, um, they mm -hmm. you still gain like the the massive amount. Okay, of but still, the people I was playing against was not four k people. Who knows? Anyways, um, the most important change for gameplay purposes is that there is a damage cap of 15 that has been added until the first player dies. Uh, so the damage cap of 15 uh, is present until the game checks at the start of the turn for a player death. So what this means is it doesn't matter if someone... If, if, like, you would have died during the same time that someone else dies. The check is at the start of the turn. So, if someone dies uh, and you were about to take, like, 30 damage on the same turn during that battle, it doesn't matter. It's only on the next turn that the shields are off. The sort of protection is gone. 
and this 15 damage cap uh, is is really gone. So uh, it's a big change. We'll talk about it because I, I uh, from like tribe to tribe, I think it's most important to talk about this meta in terms of each tribe. So that's how I want to um, really ground the discussion overall. I don't love it. I'll talk about why I don't exactly love it in a little bit, but there you go. Uh, and then, of mm-hmm. course, you know, we have the perks, and if you get the perks, you get the new heroes. So here's how we're going to talk about today. Uh, Adwokta, you're going to introduce the new heroes, and then we're going to talk about the minions that are uh, the new neutral minions, and then the minions that are leaving. I don't want to name them all, but I want to talk about the mm-hmm. couple that the are impactful. Yeah. And then we, I, I want to go tribe by tribe, and then really talk about how has this tribe changed, what are the win conditions and exactly how does this tribe kind of fit overall in the meta now? Okay, so sounds good. Let's talk about the heroes. Uh, I'm gonna just have you be the reader of today. Mm-hmm. Introduce the new heroes, please. So the first hero is Master Win, uh, spelled N G U Y E N, and he is a panda. And his power is, at the start of every turn, choose from two new hero powers. Yes. So, discover from two, and for that turn, that is your hero power. Yeah. So, as of right now, Master Wen is tier one hero. Master Wen is, for the top 1%, according to Aegis Replay, uh, which is above 4k right now, it's it's hard right it's hard because there's a reset it'll actually take another few days at least for things to even out but tier one right now is clearly cthune and master wen and cthune (laughs) when we get to dragons we can address why cthune is number one by a fairly large margin but in terms of the the non cheese slash (laughs) bugged heroes Master Wen is number one. Uh, when it was first revealed, I was like, oh, this hero will be decent, but Wood. overall... Well, it's, like, decent, but, like, what I expected was... Uh, okay, there's some hero powers which don't do anything. There's also some hero powers, I'm like, would it even work with him if they programmed it in a certain way, right? It's like, how, how would Cat work? Uh, like, mm. the, the Mr. Bigglesworth hero power. So I was like, eh, I, I don't know. Um, but... Blizzard made it such that you only get beneficial, in their definition, hero powers with Wen. And when you do that, and you make all the good hero powers, quote, work with Master Wen, he's really good. He's really, really good. One of the things that I don't like, and this has been confirmed... Well, I mean, just just keep, keep in mind with this, there's a hero in which you get to pick one of three hero powers... This one is a little worse than you get to pick one of two, but you get to change it every single turn. Yeah, you get to change so it. So it's got to be way better. Like, you would obviously want to, get you know, hit the refresh button every single turn and choose from two, because then you're you're back to good after two turns, rather than just keep one for the entire game. Well, so, <laughs> here's the thing about Master Wen. Uh, his selections are, and we, we love this being an arena podcast, it's micro-adjusted, as in not micro, macro-adjusted. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you play Master mm-hmm. Wen five games, ten games, and you're just like, gosh, I get uh, Malagos's hero power. I get um, kind of um, 
what else? Like Pure Mad's Hero Power, so often. Like I see him so often. Why don't I ever get Reno's Hero Power, Shutterwalk's Hero Power, Georgia's Hero Power? It's because it's heavily adjusted. We don't know the exact stats right now. I'm hopeful that HS Replay with their tracking is able to give us the percentages very soon, but it is very obvious that it's quite rare, understandably so, right? Understandably so for you to get Reno's Hero Power, Shutterwalk's Hero Power, etc very rarely but you know how much i hate these hidden percentages this kind of stuff and master wen is a perfect example of that in which they can kind of stealth change it in order to buff or nerf him that's the kind of thing i hate i, I hate these things in which you have to go on hs replay you have to read the forms to figure out oh it's actually like a 0.7 percent chance to get shutter lock and then when they nerf Master Wen, if they do, it's like, oh, they decrease George's hero power offering rate by 50%, actually increase Shutterwalk by a little bit because they like that, but then decrease like Jandis also by 25%. I don't like that. It's the way it is. It's a new hero. It's very good. It's very fun, very skill testing. So definitely play it. But that's my rant for what I don't like about Master Wen. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Next hero is Cariel Rome. Um, this is uh, hero power is a uh, ranked hero power, much like the cards that go up in rank when you get to five mana and ten mana. Here it upgrades at tavern three and tavern five. And so it starts out being one mana, give a random friendly minion plus one plus one. Then it goes to give a, uh, give three random friendly minions plus one plus one. Then give five random friendly minions plus one plus one. It's bad. <laughs> it's okay. Look, it's just some stats. If you think about where the meta is, how it has been trending, and especially now that there is a damage cap of 15, which we've talked about a damage cap, and we've talked about the negatives of a damage cap in that what it does is allows people mm -hmm. to level safer it allows them to take more risks because it is no longer a risk uh, i have seen some people go for it uh, because they're at 18 health and they know that no matter what i cannot die this turn and i can just pop off the next turn so when that is the meta when that was the meta and that is more so the meta uh, a hero like rome is too fair it's just mm -hmm. not good enough. Like it's, it's like incremental. A... The advantage is incremental, mm -hmm. but the power spike is a spike. And the problem with the 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 health, uh, the, the damage limit is how they structured it. And it was such a weird way to structure it that they had to have like thought it through, done internal testing, and just like totally missed. Uh, it's, it's very disappointing how they structure the damage cap because the damage cap is one of those easy, like low hanging fruit, not the best solution, but probably better than nothing kind of like solution. But then they changed it so that it's not just the damage cap, but it's a damage cap that stays consistent and goes away when one person dies. So you don't know when it's going away each game, but if everyone's in on it, then it stays forever and everyone can level up. So, you, you, you've created this like weird new rule with the damage cap that has weird, presumably unintended because they're so bad, consequences. And on top of that, it doesn't scale the way it needs to. 
So it was just kind of, it, like, when I read the damage cap, I was like, oh, that's weird and will cause problems. If not now, then definitely later. Like, this is not a permanent solution. They're going to have to do something else, but we'll, we'll see how it works in, on a, a temporary basis. And it turns out it's causing problems in this meta. Yeah, uh, I have played a decent amount. I don't love it. It's not the end of the world. And once again, this is something I will probably repeat a few times. Uh, I don't want you guys thinking that, like, Wizard released a terrible patch. I can't play this anymore. I played BG's a decent amount. It's been pretty enjoyable. For the amount of changes that they've made and with the risk that they took, I think they did a pretty good job. As in, it's been pretty fun. A lot of the new units are overpowered but in kind of like a fun interesting way there's been a lot of strategies that people have needed to figure out so in terms of my own personal ratings i'm like this was a success with an asterisk as in you cannot expect uh things to be perfect or anywhere yeah. close to perfect so it's a success if you take that into account. If you were expecting things to be significantly better than they are right now, I don't know. That's just unrealistic. Mm -hmm. So I expected things to be worse. Yeah, I expected things to be worse. Uh, and not kind of like but, a but, but, crappy on Blizzard way. It's just like right. necessarily. It's just, it's just a lot of changes. Yeah, like so how this are they going to handle it all? But, but the problem isn't how it ended up. It's not the current state of things. The problem is that this like this damage cap concept where it goes away after one person dies is just such a poorly thought out concept. And it's so complicated that they clearly thought a lot about it. There is no way this was their like first stab on the whiteboard of a solution to this. So they had thought about it and then like just were not smart enough to or the smart people didn't have enough power to see the I, I and, think... like push forward like a the, the, the faults in this that were kind of obvious if you are like a balancer and you really think about uh, the, the normal game theory, right? Like, not like game design theory. I mean, like, literal game theory on how the players will play. Um, yeah, I, I don't want to say that because I, I think the Battlegrounds, uh, like, devs and people who work on it have clearly showed that they are uh, very smart in many ways. Well, so ways. what happened? But I think what happens is the ultimate call comes down to simplicity in a It's not way. simple. No, it is. It's, sim it's simple to mm. understand. I understand what you mean in terms of it's not simple. I agree Wouldn't it's not simple. Wouldn't it be simple to understand simple, it to say that no, it, it goes away after six turns? It is the way to understand it for someone entering the game or coming Rather back into the game. Rather than it goes it away is the after literal six simplest turns. way, yes. I totally disagree. I yeah. think putting a turn on it was the simplest way, and they went to a more complicated way, thinking it'll be more helpful and is less helpful. Yeah, look, I'm not saying that it ends up being the simplest way. I'm saying for, like, you can see how some people think it is the simplest way. We are, like, I don't agree with it either, right? Um, I but, can't see how they, they, they it, it literally creates a variable, whereas it could be a constant. So the variable is less simple than the constant. That's just, I, I don't know, like, I guess there's no definition of simplicity, but it's really hard to convince someone that a variable is less simple than a constant. No, I mean, this is, look, it, it's never really about, it's like, oh, what is it? It's about what is perceived to be the most simple, right? It's like for people who are coming back into the game or for very casual people, how do they perceive it? It's like, is this, will this be perceived by them who don't, they, look, dude, they obviously don't think about the game like you. Um, they don't think about it probably like our viewers, 
uh, or, or our listeners. Uh, but will it be perceived by them as the simplest solution? Uh, maybe. I don't know. Like, I don't have a pulse on the overall community or how people think, but maybe. So, I, I understand where they're coming I don't think from. there I don't will be more it. casual players who will understand 15 damage for the first five turns less than 15 damage until one person is removed from your, your queue. Remember, you're talking about casual players. They're barely looking. They're not scouting. They're barely looking at who's in the queue. They're just focused on their next fight. They don't even know who they're faced against in the next fight. Mm-hmm. Like, as far as the average Battlegrounds player is concerned, I'm way closer to them than you. Well, no. And that's I, okay, how no, no, no. The way you think about the game is very different from literally anyone. Please do not uh, say that you are connected to the average player. Your, your Papega plays are very much connected to the average player, but the way you process literally anything, please, okay? Well, so you're saying the average players are looking at their matchups or aware of how many people are remaining? No. It's just when they figure this out, when they recognize that there is now a shield, how do they pers- how does it make them feel? You know? It's like, oh, okay, that's simple enough to understand. It's like, all right, yeah, it's here I'm not, now. I'm not, I'm not arguing about the shield. I'm saying that they, the extra step isn't whether there's a shield or not. The extra step is when the shield goes away. That's what's the difference in a variable. They're not constant. thinking of that. No, no, the developers should be thinking about that. The players should only care about whether there's a shield or not and whether that like light is on or not. Right? Like whether the. I'm saying the, the developers have prioritized how the player feel when they learn right. about and this. And I'm for saying the, the players won't feel differently between the two options and one is simpler than the other because the players are not advanced enough to have any objections at turn five versus first player out. It doesn't feel safer, first player out. It doesn't feel safer to be on turn five. Like, wh- which players are looking at it and be like, oh, first player out, now I feel safe. Versus, oh, I have five turns, now I don't feel safe. Like, who's doing that? That involves way too much. That's the complexity I'm talking about. We're not, we're making an argument over simplicity or complexity. And I'm just saying, Blizzard took a more complicated concept, and they had to take the more complicated concept by thinking through it a lot, and they thought wrong, and that's what's concerning. Maybe. Uh, look, we don't... At the end of the day, we don't know what was uh, happening internally. This is one of those things where I hope they f- change it in some way. I, it, I mean, it they is. will eventually change it. There is no way this is the end form of this the, this system. Like, Who knows? Zero percent chance this is the end form. There's zero percent chance they intended it as the end form. Um, one of the things that I've noticed in my games and... Look, there's obviously skill. You are able to play around it, right? Like you are able, not play around it. I mean, you are able to incorporate it and then use it to the best of your ability. Uh, just like we, we've seen all these good players do. Like I've been watching um, a lot of streams. Uh, the ones I watch the most are like uh, Dog's channel, Slissa's channel. Um, I watch some uh, Victor's. Uh, I watch some shady, like in the morning. It just depends on when I'm on. But th- those are the people I watch a lot. And yeah, you know, there's obviously skill there. But I, I agree. This is not a change that I love in my personal games. There's been times in which I think there was one I was at 28 HP. And then someone died. And then I took 32 from a shutter walk who was at 1 HP because they were at 16 previously. And they literally just held 
Um, you know, the thing Shutterwalk does, like we talked about it last mm-hmm. week, where they held, and I think the term before, they had literally nothing on their board. Because uh, on the uh, the scouting report, it was like, Murlocks 2. I was like, okay, I understand what's going on. You know, it's just like the two token Murlocks, and <clears throat> the Shutterwalk had nothing else, just like hoarded all these things in hand. And the turn after, it was like, five triples six triples i forget i think it was like six triples i just died i just like exploded for 32 damage um so look that is uh i i don't love that right because i was pretty strong that turn as well i don't love what it enables i'm hoping they change it uh we, we can just move on from there Anyways, they removed a ton of minions from Battlegrounds. I don't actually want to name them all, because when you name them all, you don't, like, get any sense of (laughs) exactly what happened. Mm -hmm. I would just say this. There were no notable removals in terms of meta-defining and build-defining units, and I was so surprised. I would have bet a large amount of money that they were going to remove stuff like Cadgar, stuff like Parrot, stuff Mm -hmm. that was problematic in some ways and design-limiting in others, but they didn't remove any of that. The two... That's that's not true. They removed Malganus. No, they didn't. (laughs) I'm looking at the list that says remove minions. Yeah, what I mean is he's now at Tier 4. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They they replaced so no, them with they, something they that's didn't. similar to it. But but just in case people are wondering, you literally said they didn't remove it, and I'm clarifying that they removed things. They did remove things, but like no, such effectively as no, like effectively no, right? If you have something uh, that so yeah, no, so you they have something didn't. that functionally like covers for what Malganus is doing. Lit- yes. yes, the most important part of it, which is bust your other demons and makes you right, 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 right. But that's not what you said. And to someone listening to the podcast, that would be confusing because they would think that key pieces would not have been removed. They were replaced, is what you're saying. They were functionally replaced or not removed. I think it's a sure, very key we distinction. can draw that dist- Oh my god. Okay, we can draw that distinction where Malganus was quote removed oh my god all right what do you mean quote literally removed what do you mean quote you act like i have such a weird interpretation it's by name only malganus was basically buffed to be on tier four like it it really was like if anything it was a buff on malganus and they changed the name that that's the art yeah yeah and and how we would reference this card in the future it's like if anything it's like we should be talking about how malganus was buffed and oh by the way his name was changed <laughs> um okay uh the the two that were really uh actually impacting the meta previously number one mithrax is gone so that nice little stat stick for menagerie is gone and also faceless tavern goer is gone that's probably the most meta impacting unit triples are a little bit harder to get for you know, certain units, uh, especially higher tiered units, now that Faceless Tavern Goer is gone. I'm, ha- I'm happy that Faceless is gone. Faceless, I think, created some issues, so I'm glad that it is, uh, it has been removed. So that's the most important thing. Um, there's been one nerf, I guess a pure nerf. Uh, Arm of the Empire, it used to have five health, now has four health. Woohoo. Like, big difference. Um, let's, let's talk about the two neutral minions that were added, though. You want to, Read them off. Yeah, the neutral minions that were added are the Avenge minions that uh, we briefly described earlier. And remember, Avenge triggers when X number of minions, uh, of friendly minions, die. 
so that you would avenge them by getting some kind of thing. So the first one is a tier 3 card. It's a 1-4 minion with avenge 3. Give adjacent minions plus 2 plus 1 permanently. So it's a 6 stat buff each time the avenge triggers. Um, but the body itself is super weak and does not actually grow. And in tier 4, we have the other neutral one, which is a 3-5 minion. Again, really lackluster for uh, for tier 4. Again, with Avenge 3, and that is add a random battle crime minion to your hand. So that's more resource generation. The other one is more buff. All right. Uh, let's talk about the tier 4 unit first, the Witch Wing Nest Matron. It is useless. It actually is useless. I People will sometimes take this uh, because they completely whiff on everything else when they like triple into a four maybe you're like the money works out and you try to end on this thing um, but it is just one of the most useless new units that is out because battle cry doesn't even guarantee anything um, useful for you uh, so it's really a shame because you look at this Nest Matron versus some of the other supremely overpowered generator cards that were introduced, and it's just not fair. Um, Budding Green Thumb, though, okay. You will pick it up sometimes, and it will do some work for you. It will not be part of your final comp, but you put it next to a Deflecto and a Bronze Warden. You have some stuff die. It gives you a little bit of a boost for like two turns in the mid game, let's say. So it's okay. Um, you, I've picked it up sometimes and had it buff uh, some things. I see other people pick it up as well. It's a serviceable unit. And as long as the unit is has a purpose, whether in the early, mid, or late game, uh, you know, I, I think it's a fine addition. It it The Avenge can proc multiple times as well, so... Some people get like two Avenge procs per battle, which means you're getting plus four, plus two on like Divine Shield units permanently. Not bad. So okay. how often would you keep it around if you take a Green Thumb? Uh, I think on average I keep it for like two turns. Okay. Or like, okay, sorry. On average it would be like 1.7, you know? Because like okay. sometimes it'll be one, most of the time two, but almost never more than two so it's okay. like 1.7 if if mm. you want to be like uh technical uh so yeah it's it's totally totally fine totally fair i want to talk about the meta generally for a sec and then we'll introduce all of the tribes talk about the tribes one of the things to really remember about this meta specifically um and it uh, i don't want too many general points because it depends on the tribes are in tribes that are out Five drops are pretty good in this meta, uh, generally. Five drops are uh, very strong. Six drops, it just depends on what tribes are in and what tribes are out. Mechs got a big boost. Dragons got a big boost. Demons and beasts also got a big boost. The other ones, <laughs> you'll see, are in a little bit of trouble. And overall, a lot of the top players... Uh, are utilizing this 15 damage shield and basically econing hard and the way that they're doing it is by staying on tier one more often people are either doing the 
uh, in slang terms, they, they call it the Chinese curve, which is leveling from tier one to tier three on seven gold. So they're able to level twice because it's so, so cheap. So what they're doing is collecting all of these cheap or like, you know, like tier one units, preferably tokens, uh, like Stellamental and the actual tokens and the Murloc and the Beast, and then collecting all of these triples and then leveling up higher in order to cash in on five drops and six drops. Um, and uh, like, so that's what you want to keep in mind. People are doing that more often. And if you are one of those people that is consistently leveling to tier two on turn two, you're probably giving up some MMR by doing that. So it depends on your roles. It depends on what tribes are in, but you should be sprinkling in a healthy amount of staying on tier one uh, in order to maximize your MMR. I'll just say that, first of all. Okay. You want to go right. through uh, the tribes? You can introduce them. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's go through the tribes. Uh, first tribe is Beasts. Beasts have lost nothing on tier one, pack leader, and kindly grandmother on tier two, which no one except me will miss. Uh, on tier three, they're losing Infestive Wolf, which is about time. Um, and on tier four, uh, I think that's it. Do they lose anything else? They lose Ironhide up on tier five. So those are the beasts that are gone. And in, to replace them, they have added... One, a tier two beast called Leapfrogger, 3 3. Death Rattle, give a friendly beast plus two plus two, and this Death Rattle. Uh, interesting card. Uh, do you want me to go through all yeah, of yeah, them? Yeah, yeah, go through just... all of them because what, like, you can't talk about, like, I, 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 I don't know, the early ones you probably can, but sure, no, I'll go no, all no, of them. no, you can't, you can't, you cannot. All right, uh, Sewer Rat. Uh, another tier 2 beast, 3-2, death rattle, summon a 2-3 turtle with taunt. Um, tier 3, bird buddy, 2-4, avenge 1. That means each time something dies, give your beast plus 1 plus 1. Each time something dies, uh, a friendly thing dies, give all your beasts plus 1 plus 1. Uh, then is tier 4, Reanimating Rattler, 6-2, Battle Cry, Give a Friendly Beast Reborn. And uh, uh, tier 5 beast is Pale Scale Crocolisk, which is a 4-5 beast, Avenge 2, and Death Rattle. Give another Friendly Beast plus 6 plus 6. So that's your replacement for Direhorn here. Okay, so... You have all of these units. They did not take away Parrot. Uh, they didn't take away Goldrin or Mama Bear. I like that we're talking about Beast first. Well, it's listed in, in this patch notes first. And uh, it's very relevant because Beasts are so complete. They have so many duplicative units. They have the most ways to win in the game right now. You can win through traditional Mama Bear comps goldron comps but and, and these aren't even like oh like outside of those you have units that complement those and branch out on their own as well you can do a pure crocolisk build you can do a 
stupid leapfrogger build. This is why you're just like, oh, we could just talk about tier tier two. Like, I'm going to ask you right now, how good do you think leapfrogger is? It seems very good. Yeah, it's be- it's like better than Goldrum good, by the way. Um, it- oh, okay. I didn't think it was that good. Yeah, but yeah. It it's- seemed like totally busted to me, but not like as good as a tier six minion. No, it's like arguably better than Goldrin. <laughs> like imagine going to tier six when you can get a better <laughs> unit on tier two. Uh, all right. Yeah. Uh, so Leapfrogger build, super duper good. Um, it actually... <laughs> patches so what's up. the build besides just leapfroggers oh yeah or is it just leapfroggers well no it's leapfrogger uh you got to get a golden which is it's a tier two unit right so it's mm-hmm. pretty easy it's not like golden goldron uh you get a golden and you still do want parrots you still want mm-hmm. uh baron and then you sprinkle in uh oh by the way reanimating rattler i don't understand why blizzard decided to give the player is the ability to give literally any beast reborn. So <laughs> what you're gonna do uh, I see. Okay. What yeah. you're gonna do is reborn the frog, the golden frog. You're gonna reborn all of your parrots. You're gonna reborn all of your random like ass beasts. Maybe throw in like one sewer rat in there and one rat pack, for example. And the leapfrogger is <laughs> it's so troll, by the way, because of like the the ribbit sound and the like the the frog hopping animation it's so troll it's like the the most troll way to kill someone but this keeps on procking and then so you want this leapfrogger like first golden taunted golden leapfrogger first it goes in it spreads its death rattle to a lot of these minions and then it gets reborn it hits again it spreads all it to everyone else and then the parrots start procking the i'll call it the quote new concentrated death rattle off of something and then that'll ping pong back and forth and then if the parrot has reborn let's say it dies it you know it gets reborn and then it ping pongs a a death rattle of a unit that is now even more concentrated with this leapfrogger death rattle which is further amplified by your baron so at the end even though you're just like wait wait this leapfrogger only looks like you know for golden form plus four plus four to one unit instead of gold ring, which is like you know to everything mm-hmm. you are going to have bigger boards at the end than gold ring. and one of the benefits here is not only do you have the size you have the death rattles as well like i said you throw in uh one rat pack in there and then it just like keeps ping-ponging back and forth so it eliminates one of the weaknesses of Goldrun as well. Now, obviously, you know, Goldrun still has its strengths and whatnot, but these stupid Leapfrogger builds uh, are able to just exponentially multiply this plus four plus four uh, through Baron, whether normal Baron or Golden Baron. And then um, with the parrots procking this like concentrated and even more concentrated death rattle that forms on these units, it's so stupid. It's it's so, so, so stupid. Um, and at the end of the battle, uh, when I do these Frogger builds, I have like a 200-200 Parrot and like a 200-200 Hydra as well. I'm like, I've never gotten anywhere near this big with Golderin. And this stupid Golden Reborn uh, two-drop beast just outclasses Golderin by this much. It's really dumb. But that is... 
a huge part of the meta right now. People understand exactly how good it is. Mm-hmm. You guys remember those times when, like, you know, we had, oh, you see a Wrath Weaver, you pick a Wrath Weaver. You see this on Tier 2, you pick it. If you see Frog, pick it on Tier 2. It's so good. Let's talk about the other units for a second as well. Beasts right now truly okay, don't... So, so my, before we get to the other one, Mike, or I don't know, maybe this is a question better handle later, but... Would you nerf Bird or Leapfrogger or Baron? I think Parrot is problematic. We talked about okay. it before. Yep. Parrot is very problematic in many ways, right? Um, and I think Parrot restricts design in many ways. Um, if you didn't have Parrot, because once again, um, you could you, the thing that makes Leapfrogger better than Goldrin is that just think about how concentrated the, these death rattles get on these mm-hmm. units. And yep. that is why Parrot, when it procs the death rattle of this unit, yep. it's like, oh, um, it the Leapfrogger will build up on this unit like eight times, right? And then mm-hmm. when the Parrot goes in yep. and Baron's like, okay, so I proc this eight times, times three, times two, because mm-hmm. it is a goal. And then boom, suddenly your board is so much bigger than what a goldren comp can do and it's just like but you know how they're gonna fix it right they're gonna nerf parrot and make it trigger the first death rattle rather than all the death rattles and they're gonna still keep parrot in there i can't believe parrot survived i like they've done everything possible to this freaking card to not remove it i know they've changed everything else around they moved this up from a tier two to a tier four like it's it's really it's, it's it's a terrible design. Yeah, it's uh really really powerful, and it's crazy because, like I said, Goldron comps were always a little bit weak in that they didn't have multi like, uh, they didn't have the resiliency of multiple bodies. Right? They were mm-hmm. kind of like you know, they had maybe one or two cleaves from the Hydra to cover up for that fact, but they were built on pure size it was almost like big elementals in a way in that by the end it's like oh we have these singular units it wasn't like mech which tried to kill you through refreshes and tech and all of that stuff but with leapfrogger and the addition of let's say um uh a, a reborn like sewer rat even or just a rat pack it covers up those weaknesses uh, and it it allows it to sort of like ping pong back and forth, and also to have this death like huge death rattles. If the rat if the rat procs, if the rat dies, if the rat dies, by the way, which is in this comp, it's like if you're able to kill off the rat, it's like oh man, uh, you climbed up Everest, and here's another Everest <laughs> to to go. Mm. Uh, if you kill off the rat. Um, the death rattles carry over to like the baby rats. It doesn't like die and then refresh. It carries over to the death rattle rats. So good luck with that. Um, yeah, it's really broken right now. It's unfair how good it is. And it's made worse by the fact that, introducing the other units, beasts have a very stable mid game right now. So it wouldn't be as bad or as problematic if you know, you had to kind of like take a chance on Leapfrogger, right? It's like, oh yeah, this is dangerous, but I can go for it. It's not dangerous. Something like Bird Buddy is so good at stabilizing mm-hmm. that like two, maybe three turns in the mid game. You pick up the Rat Pack, you got a frog, and if you're able to pick up a Bird Buddy, that carries you. 
that carries you so hard. I've seen some people level up to tier five just like without a care in the world uh, with a simple, like, you know, really econ-friendly comp of one Khadgar, uh, like a A Acolyte of Cthune, um, and, you know, like two rat packs, right? Like they just have that and they're like, okay, uh, that's probably enough for me to just live for at least the next few turns because that's so mm -hmm. much stats. Just think about like one Acolyte of Cthune, two rat packs, and a Khadgar. Cool. Awesome. Uh, I'm mm -hmm. just going to have like giant buff things and then I'm going to power level after that. Um, so that's what, uh, you know, like Bird Buddy allows you, you to do with those units. power levels that hard. This kind of ends on tier five. And that's only one unit. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like it's just you need one Baron and everything else is tier four and below. Mm -hmm. Yep. And uh, reanimating Rattler, I think, is a huge problem. Like, giving any beast reborn, ah, that's just... That's like if dragons had a unit on tier 4, just like, give a dragon divine shield, right? Um, I don't know, we, we, don't, we don't do this typically. We don't just give these amazingly powerful permanent buffs so cheaply. Uh, mm -hmm. But you do for beasts, so... I've talked about it a lot, and I haven't even talked about Croc. Like, it's it's nice, and you could win the... I've won the game with, like, a Croc build quite a few times, uh, but it, it, it's just Leapfrogger that is ridiculously good, unfair, um, because it's a Tier 2 unit. So, if you've learned anything at all, it's like, see Leapfrogger, take a Leapfrogger, almost, uh, and it, that, that'll definitely help you stabilize the mid-game at the very least. And uh, it, it is not just, like, a viable endgame comp. It is, like, the endgame comp right now. All right. So that's Beast, our, our most important comp. Next, so we're going to get to to Demons, uh, a, a not-as-important comp. Um, so Demons lose a bunch of crap. Um, and I do mean crap. Fiendish Servant, Vulgar Homunculus. Uh, they're, they're gone. Um who, uh, who else is gone? Imp Gang Boss. Like, these things, like, they, they really skimmed a lot of the fat off of, uh, all these tribes. Uh, Crystal Weaver. Um. Yep. What, what else is, what else is gone? Just Malganus after that? Uh, they took away Malganus. They also took away that, that Taunt Demon. The Taunt Demon. Um. I don't know. Is it one of the new ones I'm just not recognizing the name of? Uh, well, oh, sorry. They also took away a Hex Ruin Marauder or whatever. Hex I think it, Ruin Marauder. Okay. I think it was a demon, but like it's not part of like demon comp. You know what I mean? Uh, anyways, ah, okay. it's fine. Okay. By the way, you so, don't even have to go because it's like, I don't know. Well, you got to tell them what leaves, right? You don't have to tell them all at once because it doesn't make any sense, but you got to do it. It's nothing you're, important. Uh, but anyways, yes, new unit okay. time. Okay, new units. Um, they're replacing the tier one demons that they removed with Impulsive Trickster. Uh, two, two, Death Rattle, give this minion's maximum health to a friendly minion. Uh, and then Icky Imp, uh, one, one, Death Rattle, summon two, one, one imps. It's a lot of, a lot of imps. Uh, then on tier three, you have Impatient Doomsayer, two, six, Avenge three, add a random demon to your hand. Um, so that is a lot of 
in tribe generation right there. And then you have Kathranatir, the the new Malganis, uh, at tier four, which is a seven five, and your other demons have plus three attack, and your hero is immune. Um, then you have tier five, a new demon that is uh, insatiable Orzul, a four six taunt. After you play a demon, consume a minion in Bob's tavern to gain its stats. Um, you literally eat it. You suck the the minion from the the tavern. So one thing to remember for this unit and the next unit, if there is one thing that you want to buy, buy it first. Yeah. Uh, and the next unit being tier six is Famish Felbat. At the end of your turn, each friendly demon consumes a minion in Bob's Tavern to gain its stats. So yeah. that is a lot of stats at the end of every turn, or should be a lot of stats if we were in this meta, but it's another story. Yep. Um, let's. Uh, so yeah, so how is the shape of demons? Very good. Very good. This was the change that demons needed. Uh, let's go through some of the problems that demons had previously. Weak endgame. Uh, too reliant on Wrath Weavers, and just not enough, like, stats, like, not enough scaling in the late game, uh, and also not enough stat division. Like, it was too focused on Wrath Weavers, right? Mm-hmm. Well, we solved quite a few of those problems, um, and they made Malganis uh, a little bit earlier as well. So, with the Insatiable Urzul and the Famish Felbat, we get some of that late game scaling. Um, Famish Felbat is you know, provides that late game scaling and is also just one of the best things to hit for that immediate power spike in like the mid game as well. So that's good. Insatiable Urzul is the scaling unit, the secondary scaling unit that demons really mm-hmm. needed uh, because yeah. now whenever you play demons, you are buffing your Wrath Weaver and the, the Insatiable Urzul. So that's great. But we need to give it up to the true MVP of this patch for demons, Inpatient Doomsayer. You can make an argument that this is the independently most strong card that was printed in this patch. Um, you know, we, we talked about mm-hmm. Leapfrogger a lot, but at the end of the day, beasts uh, have an abundance of riches, and Leapfrogger still needs support from quite a few cards. Yep. Impatient Doomsayer is stupid. It, like, look how bad the... Uh, the f- neutral like tier four unit that gives you a battle cry after three things die that th- there's no guarantee that that battle cry is decent right like that it's useful for you inpatient doomsayer in a class in which it's pretty easy to make tokens whether through icky imp or through um imprisoner or through whatever means right like the um mm-hmm. uh the it's your like shooty demons yeah like shooty demons have plenty of support so it'll be uh, the same support. So if you have the Wrath Weaver and some stuff, you are going to get more demons. Exactly the thing that you want to do. You want to play more demons, right? So the leveling scheme and sort of your your goal to the end game, it is made so easy if you start off with Wrath Weaver, have the impatient doomsayer, and you can just coast to the demons that really help you close out the game which is like the urzul you can get the bat if you want it but like impatient doomsayer makes the bat 
kind of useless. Like, you don't need the bat. The bat, bat's nice, and you can fit it in, like, some comps or whatever. But Impatient Doomsayer is a stupidly broken card that gives you way too much econ and specific scaling. Like, a lot of times econ just gives you econ. Um, you know, we've seen stuff that gives you coins. And yeah, you can mm. use it on whatever you want, but whatever. Um, this gives you econ in that it gives you at least a coin, right, for Avenge 3 uh, in a class in which it's easy to proc this. And then it gives you all the scaling and stats that's basically guaranteed for you. Or you can just triple for stuff that you were going to buy anyways. So good. Ridiculously broken card. And if you are playing demons, or if you just have like a couple pieces here and there, you see Impatient Doomsayer on three. It is the best econ card in the game right now, in the mid game, right? Uh, and you don't even have to be demons. Like, if you're not demons, think about it. If you're demons and you're not picking up this Doomsayer, I don't know what you're doing. Like, so yeah, that's. I needed to talk about this the most because it it is arguably, and I would say, in my opinion, just is the most independently yeah. powerful card in this patch. Mm -hmm. And it seems like it, right? Like there's no, like when you look at it, it's generating random demons in class and it's going to generate probably more than one of them uh, per turn. That's that's an insane thing to have, especially on tier three. It's just the, the rest of the, the generation doesn't keep pace with this at all. Nope. Um, so yeah, um, demons are in a pretty good spot. Um, they still do suffer from one of the problems that they had before, which is when you when you get to the end end game, the the end end game, they are still reliant on the selfless uh, heroes, and they are still underpowered compared to a lot up. of stuff. They don't keep up mm -hmm. very well, but they're so much better than before. Like they they mm -hmm. smack people in the mid game. Uh, and they can hold their own in the mid and late game. They can still win some lobbies as well, which was unheard of before. Like you never won with demons before. They can win some now. They just don't win it as often as other tribes, like beasts, for example. And that's fine. Like demons are in a great place because of what they added, and they have become one of the ultimate mid game beatdown comps. Good job, mm -hmm. Wizard. Cool. So if they uh, fix the, uh, um, or just change or get rid of the damage cap, and then they nerf Beast to a balanced level, whatever that may be, do you think Impatient Doomsayer needs a nerf? Or do you think that it's fine as the overpowered driver of the, the demon engine, right? That is otherwise doing kind of normally here in this meta. I think already it's just a little bit too overpowered. Mm. Demons themselves aren't problematic, but Impatient Doomsayer just gives you way too much. It, it just gives you way too much. And I always have a problem with any one unit that gives this much power, right? Uh, mm -hmm. So it's like, I don't think that power level of demons right now is problematic but nerf impatient doomsayer and if you want to add some stats to something else uh, yeah because they're clearly taking this card it's just so obviously overpowered and making it the same as whatever that quill bore is that gets the divine shield you know as uh, as the same as deflecto like they're making it the centerpiece of this tribe right and you get it on turn like uh sorry on, on tier three much like a deflecto the, the real problem with Impatient Doomsayer is it speeds up the econ of demons significantly when mm -hmm. 
demons should be about, um, and they've historically been, um, should be about, it's like they suffer in econ and leveling and, and all that stuff in exchange for a ton of stats in the mid game, right? But now you still get it. And Impatient Doomsayer is just like, here, have these triples. Have even more scaling so that you have the freedom to level, which is something that demons didn't have before. And now it's like cool because they have tier five, tier six units that they really want, right? This Urzul, uh, sometimes a Felbat, sometimes not. Uh, but yeah, it just, it, it's, it's too much right now. So nerf that, throw whatever sort of like bounce buffs or changes you need to some other units. But this Doomsayer, it's too good. And sometimes uh, I see demon players just run away with the lobby because very early on, they'll have like uh, an Icky Imp and an Imprisoner. And they were lucky enough, like on their first roll on tier three, they got a double uh, Impatient Doomsayer. And it's kind of just GG because it's way too much econ at that point. Uh, and it's too good, right? Like they, they're just able to put out the stuff and then level and then put out more stuff and then triple and then just keep going with that change it blizzard too good way too good all right uh next we have mechs mechs got rid of the stuff you always expected to not be a mechs anymore micro machine is gone um what else is gone iron sensei is gone that one is not vital to any build but was a a thing that mech builds did um and Junkbot is gone. Um, Security Rover is gone. Sneeds is gone. Yep. So nothing too too much that mech players will miss. But what's coming in is uh, Tier 1 Pupbot. One mana, 2-1 Divine Shield. It's a, it's a dog mech. It's Cora's uh, then She confirmed huh? it. Like, they based it on Cora's pup. Aww. Yeah. Um, it is... Uh, okay, so next is Tier 4. You get your next mech. It is Mechanotank. 6-3, Avenge 2. 2, pretty low number. Deals 6 damage to the highest health enemy minion. So it's uh, interestingly got very low health itself, um, but has a very powerful uh, Avenge ability. Uh, next is Greasebot, which is tier 4, 3-6. After a friendly minion loses Divine Shield, give it plus 2, plus 1 permanently. So here's a repetitive way to buff your Divine Shield minions, which is the things you want to buff anyway. Tier 4. Tier 5, Holy Mackerel is back. Only it's now Holy Mekero. Get it, Mech? Uh, it's 8-4 after another friendly minion loses Divine Shield, gain Divine Shield. We know how this one goes. And finally, uh, on Tier 6, you get Omega Buster. 6-6 six, six mech, Death Rattle, summon 6-1-1 one, one Microbots. For each that doesn't fit, give your mechs plus 1, plus 1. So it could potentially buff your mechs a lot um, while refreshing Divine Shield. Yep. Okay. Mechs 1 pretty big during this patch uh mm -hmm. they didn't change their play style much uh but the stuff that they lost uh pales in comparison to the stuff that they gained Puppbot is nice it's just like uh, another divine shield unit for them to have uh mechano tank or mechano tank 
this is a decent tempo unit. I've taken it a couple of times. It's not going to be part of anyone's end game, really. Mm-hmm. But this thing has stabilized and really dish- dished out some stupid damage in the mid game for like two turns or so. Uh, the two turns that I've kept it. Um, if you're a little bit weak, and if you're playing mechs, which tend to have like uh, you know replicating menace tokens and all of these like other little tokens that come out. Uh, this thing will just like more than double your damage sometimes. It's stupid. Uh, the real MVPs are the mm. next three units. I-, I can't really just give it to one. The the one that is consistently good and has really improved the mech mid game, which previously was like, I need deflecto, and and then after that it's like, please, I need leapers. Because leapers are the only things that really mm-hmm. buffed your your stuff, and you're like, do I find leapers? Do I not find leapers? Um, and then you stayed on tier four a lot. Greasebot has provided that really smooth mid-game scaling that mechs have wanted for a long time. Essentially guaranteeing all your Divine Shield minions, plus two, plus one, at least once, you know, every single turn. That's so good, right? It's like that smooth, light fang-esque kind of buff that you just want every single turn. This is a mech itself. You can buff it. You can give it divine shield if you wanted to uh grease spot is such a good stabilizing unit for mechs in which um before even if you just stayed on tier four and you rolled you guys know how just sort of hit or miss it was how dangerous it was grease spot smooth is smooths that out significantly holy mech roll is a game changer uh and we know it well if you played it during the Holy Mackerel days, you understand how good this effect is. Holy Mackerel is definitely more balanced than Holy Mackerel was because you couldn't, you, know, you can't give this thing poison immediately. <laughs> you can give a Divine Shield and you can taunt it and you can do that annoying thing where Deflecto goes in uh, to refresh his shield and then you just follow it up with like three other Divine Shield units to keep on refreshing this shield. Uh, but it, it's it's a good addition. It makes uh, mechs want to tear up uh, more often than before, in which you literally just stayed on tier 4 because it was nothing on tier 5 or tier 6 for you. And then Omega Buster actually introduces somewhat a new playstyle for mechs. You can think of this as almost like a mech goldron in a way. So what you could do is you could just put the buster... First, have it proc once and then just get all the buffs immediately. Uh, What you can do is you can put it at the end as just a refresh. I've seen some people do like double pair it. And if they were lucky enough to get like a golden Omega Buster, you just play it like a Goldrin. Um, So they can play it purely as a Goldrin. They can play it as a more techie unit. Uh, If you combo it with Baron, it gets real big, real fast. So mechs are good but the end game omega buster comp uh that's going to be a little bit more rare more common more commonly what you'll see is just the old mech compositions that you're used to which is double deflecto and refreshes further buffed and further backed up by grease spots and sprinkled in some holy mech rolls for more of these refreshes tech divine shield units it's quite strong. Mechs can win the lobby nowadays uh, with with all of this stuff together. So I like the I like like what they added 
But most importantly, I like the fact that they're incentivizing mech comps to tier up. Whereas before, you were pretty much throwing if you went above tier 4 as mechs. And that's just kind of boring. You rolled on tier 4 and you're just like, oh, please, I want all of this stuff. And it was just a matter of, do I play pure mechs? Do I play uh, Arm of the Empire mechs? And that was basically it. Like, so giving mechs uh, these units that you really want to reach for, that's BGs, right? Like, you want to make people make choices, uh, take risks, if there is a risk, to tearing up and getting these better units. And I think people are just having more fun with mechs right now. So I'm very happy with it. All right. Um, Next up, we have Murlocs. Murloc Tidecaller is gone. (laughs) <laughs> is that really the only Murloc that's gone? Uh, no. There is a very... Toxfin, cool... Toxfin is gone. Toxfin right. is gone. That's... Toxfin is gone. I was that's like, this is one, one of the ones... No, I, which... I didn't even think of Toxfin as a Murloc. Mm. Like, it's a, it's a Murloc, right? But I didn't think of it as, the, you know, because the body's right, completely right. worthless. The body, but yes, yeah. Toxfin is gone. And uh, the, the Murloc Tidecaller, which was one of their one drops, they're... Uh, the one two plus, plus attack scaling one drop is gone but otherwise they kept everything um which means that we are adding more murlocs into the pool which is good because there really kind of wasn't enough murlocs in the pool um but okay so murlocs now don't have divine shields murlocs now don't have poisonous what do murlocs get <laughs> tier two adds salt scale honcho three two after you play a murloc give two other friendly murlocs plus one health all right, we have uh, a little bit of party elemental going here. Uh, tier three gets Swolfin. Battle cry, gain plus two plus one for each other friendly Murloc. All right, we get a little bit of a tier three tempo play. That's not much else. Uh, next, we have tier five. So the Murlocs are extending upwards. Tier five, SI Siphon. Two, six, avenge three, give a friendly murloc poisonous permanently. So rather than having Toxfin, you now have to work for it. And it's random, but that doesn't really matter that much. Um, But you do have to keep it around for a long time to work for it. And finally, you have Seafood Slinger, which is tier 6, 5-5, not a murloc. It's a dude cutting a fish, for those who uh, are wondering what this is. Um, And Battlecry, make a murloc golden. I have not... I don't know what that does. Like, I honestly... I I read it. I haven't seen anyone use it that I can tell, because it, like, does it, and it probably gets sold, and I don't know what the hell happened. But what is the purpose of this besides Seffen? Is it just for Seffen? No, I mean... Seafood Slinger, what it... Okay. There's a couple of ways to use Slinger. Number one, um, you can just use it to try to get an Amalgadon. (laughs) Number two, you can use it to make an Amalgadon Golden, which is pretty good. Uh, Number three, you can also use it... Oh, wait, hold on. It makes a Murloc Golden in your hand? In the shop. Oh, in the shop. I see. Okay. See, that wasn't clear from like, reading. Like it can this. make it gold in the in the shop. Yeah. I see. Okay. So it changes a murloc that is in the shop golden yes. to make it golden. Got it. Got it. Okay. Makes more sense. Okay. Right. Okay. So now now you can figure out the uses. Right. It's like mm-hmm. it's useful and it's also just 
useful for um, if you're not Murloc and you get like really bad six drop discovers, you can take Slinger, make a Murloc in the shop golden. Yeah, you got to spend a little bit more gold, but you get a reroll, right? You get a reroll of a six drop mm -hmm. if you want it. Yep, so yep. Uh, there's okay. ways to use it even if you're not a Murloc. But anyways, let's talk about Murlocs. Oh, it's not great. Um, I will. <laughs> it don't look great. Yeah, I will say right now, Flurgle is okay. Flurgle has the same win rate for top one percent players as Jandis. Pog it has a slightly better win rate than Omu. What the heck is going on? So here's the thing. Well, they buffed him. Remember, like pretty yeah, they recently. Well, they buffed him, but I, I don't know if you know this. They buffed mm -hmm. him, but before the patch, after the buff, but before this new patch came out, he was bad. Uh -huh. He was like he was still bad. bad. He was, okay, he was very bad. So, I mean that that buff looked pretty good. Uh, yeah, it was good, but now he is decent. So, what kind of change with Murlocs? Oh, losing Toxfin is really. Bad. Like, it's harder to get poison. Yeah, there's SI7, haha. Uh, but the Avenge 3 is pretty annoying because stuff has to die. The entire point of Murlocs is that nothing dies. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. everything is this huge. This is very, very different from like Beasts and Mechs, where things die and they generate tokens. Oh, they die fast. They die fast, and you can have like Avenge 4 on Mechs and Beasts, and you're just like, I got this. Easy. Mm -hmm. Avenge 3 on demons, Like, shooty demons and the, the new demon, like, you know, one-drops and whatever. Demons die, too. They yeah. have small demons that die. Murlocs don't. They have none of them. I will say, um, I played Florgal recently. I had Sefin. I actually came in first, because uh, one of the things that's important about this meta is big poisons work. Like, big poisons are good, especially with stuff like Cthune dragons running around uh, in which they have like medium attack but very very high health big elementals are back in we'll talk about those when we reach there but poisons plus you know selflesses uh, divine shields are pretty good like they've always been good they're still good one of the problems is it's just harder now they got decent uh, mid game additions in like the honcho and the swolfin. Swolfin can actually get pretty big. It, it, like if you look at it, it's pretty swole and you get a decent amount of stats. But the problem is there's so much good mid game stuff for other tribes. You know, you just get outclassed by mid game beasts, mid game mm -hmm. demons. Um, they're, they're just like really, really good. So, uh, the consistency is not like it's better but it's uh it's all relative right it's an arms race so those um other tribes are better and it really hurts the late mid game when you're trying to like put poison on everything mm -hmm. you just can't you just have to rely on the stupid seven si seven is is i looked at it and i was like oh god yeah. so this is not it's a, it's at least smart right like yeah. it won't try to give poison to like existing poisonous murlocs mm. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, it'll find one that doesn't have poison yet and give that to that. Yeah, it, it, it'll, it'll find that. Yeah. And also it can poison itself. So if nothing oh, is okay, left, it'll give, it'll give poison to itself, which is nice, mm -hmm. right? That's nice. Yeah, okay. Um, okay. So it's at least smart about it. Yeah, it's it's smart about it. So that's at least fine. Um, but yes, it is tough these days for Murlocs because they lost probably like their best unit right like they're mm -hmm. not well best in some ways like in other ways no but uh, it's tough to get poison and you really need poison now like the reason to play murocs is because they have poison that's the the real reason and they just made that um, a lot tougher so you can make it work florgal 
makes it a lot more consistent. Um, I have had decent results playing Florgal, which I'm very happy about. You guys know I love that dumb fish. Uh, but otherwise, if you're trying to play Florgal, or sorry, if you're trying to play Murlocs and you're not Florgal, it's tough because Murlocs still have that same issue in which you're rolling. Like, you need, you kind of need the brand, and if you don't have the brand, you're ultra-reliant on your rolls. Really tough, especially with everyone scaling so fast from the mid-game onwards. You just, like, got to keep up. Uh, the Florgal game I had... I actually didn't have a brand, but because mm. it's Florgal, I just mm-hmm. sort of made up for the fact that I was able to get all of these buffs. And then, of course, you strategically pick up these selfless heroes. Uh, and I was also like kind of lucky enough that the other person at the end was going elementals. So I was like, okay, I just win this, right? Because uh, they were going for like bigger elementals. So yeah, um, Murlocs definitely did not gain. That you can still win the game with them sometimes, but they are. If, if you had to pick, it's like, did they win or did they lose the patch? They definitely lost the patch. Like, they are a mm. loser. Sorry. They are a loser. All right. That is Murlocs. Next up, we have Dragons. So, the entire Dragon early and mid game are gone. Uh, Dragon Spawn Lieutenant is gone. Steward of Time is gone. Wax Rider Toggle Waggle is gone. Um,. What else is gone? Hangry Dragon is gone. Uh, Herald of Flame is gone. Like, just just all the dragons that you didn't want and didn't care about are are gone. Bronze is still in the game. That is the one dragon anyone really cared about. And and the dragon that buffs is still in the game. Um, Those are the only two anyone ever really played anyway. And so they are still here. But everything else is gone. Well, Razor is still here. Yeah. Like... Huh? Razor Gore and Caligos and everything. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Like the, the, the ones people care about are yeah, still here. Razor Gore and Caligos, yeah. Um, so replacing all the other dragons, including the entire dragon early in mid game, uh, is tier one, evolving chroma wing. One three dragon. After you upgrade your tavern tier, double this minion's attack. Next is Whelp Smuggler, tier two. After a friendly dragon gains attack, give it plus two health. Um, so combos pretty nicely with the other tier two dragon that remained. Um, Terragosa is a tier three dragon. Four four. This permanently keeps enchantments from combat. So this is replacing Hangry Dragon. It doesn't upgrade itself, but it'll keep anything you, you do to it in in combat. Next is tier another, uh, sorry, next is tier four. There are two tier four dragons that we are adding. One is prized promo drake, which is a five five start of combat. Give adjacent minions plus one plus one for each friendly dragon. And, uh, the one after that is Prestor's pyro spawn again, tier four. 3-5 dragon, whenever another friendly dragon attacks, deal 3 damage to its target. Okay. Dragons were also buffed in an interesting way. Let's just get right to it. or I'll preview a little bit and say Terragosa is very strong. Uh, keeping mm. enchantments from battle. Uh, there's many unique ways to do this. For example, um, if you are Alakir, you put Terragosa first and it permanently keeps 
the Wind Fury Divine Shield Taunt. That is one way to use it, right? Um, and then, of course, Terragosa also keeps the start of combat buffs from Prize Proto Drake. That is mm-hmm. one combo. Um, and if you have, like, Spawn, uh, if you have, I mean, we all, like, obviously, if you have a Nadina, like, it keeps the Divine Shield. But if you're lucky enough to have a Selfless Hero proc on it, it also keeps that Divine Shield permanently. So interesting. Mm. All right, let's talk about the real dragon unit, Whelp Smuggler. <laughs> Whelp Smuggler is basically just like what dragons are nowadays uh and it was called out as problematic from the very beginning and they fixed it and by it i mean they somehow thought the problem was razor gore so they fixed quote unquote razor gore uh but whelp smuggler is still around let's talk about whelp smuggler for a second whelp smuggler says when after a friendly dragon gains attack give it plus two health and the golden version gives it plus four health um it was immediately seen as problematic because the first issue people saw was with Razor Gore. Whenever Razor Gore got its stats, it did it with plus one plus one increments, right? So mm-hmm. Razor Gore would gain an obscene amount of health along with its normal stats with the help of Whelp Smuggler. So you saw, like, I easily got a 50 attack, like 300 plus health Razor Gore. Uh, and I was like, oh, this is pretty good to have like multiple 50, 300 units plus like some other really high health units on the board. Um, and they quote, fixed it by fixing Razor Gore. And that was never really the issue. The issue was always Whelp Smuggler. Let's talk about Cthune because this is why Cthune is the number one hero in the meta right now. Think about Cthune's hero power in which it just like shoots all these buffs across the board. Think about Whelp Smuggler. <laughs> and that's the problem. So the strategy for Dragon Cthune is get to tier two, stay on tier two, collect the Chroma Wings, collect all the smugglers, collect these stupid little dragons, right? Like tier two, tier one dragons, collect all the Whelp Smugglers. And spam Cthulhu's hero power. And then you can choose to tier up to get that Kalgos if you want, like, but probably not. To get that Nadina, which will escalate you in power level. Or you can just stay low. And, you know, if people aren't going poisons, it's way too much stats for people to handle. So, I'm going to read this off. This is HS Replay. Okay, this is for top 1%. If you click on the hero, they will give you, okay, what is their winningest comp and hero affinity? It's dragons by far. What does a typical final board for a Cthulhu dragon look like? I will read it off to you. They start off with a single Nadina that's slightly buffed. It's followed up by a Glyph Guardian that has that is 22279. A Chroma Wing that is 171, 448. A Razor Gore that is 32, 278. A Whelp Smuggler that is uh, 2832. God, so small, right? A Calagos that's 17, 114. And a Token Twilight Emissary that's only 17, 150. That is the typical board that a Cthulhu ends on when they go Dragons. That means at the end of the game... In which, by the way, if they go dragons, they are winning 50% of the time. First place. They are getting first place 50% of the time if they end up as dragons. Now, it, it is self-selecting, of course, right? Like some Cthulhu's never get the dragons. They're forced to go in different directions. But if they are lucky enough slash smart enough, as in they have five brain cells, to go dragons as Cthulhu, they 
freaking win the lobby 15, 50% of the time. So ridiculous. For, for a hero that is as safe and as consistent as Cthune, for them to win 50%, like, get, sorry, get first place 50% of the time doing anything is so dumb. It is ridiculously dumb. Uh, oh, and they're getting second place like 20% of the time as well. Like, they basically, they, okay, what is the chance combined that they don't get top four? Seven, it's about 11, 12%. <laughs> if they go dragons as Cthune, they top four about 88% of the time. And to me, that even seems freaking low. Um, this is the state that we're in. Welp Smuggler has enabled an obscene amount of stats. You can't beat them in the mid game. We talk and we talked about how hard it is in the mid game and even the end game to get poisons. And the person that goes Murlocs, if there is even Murlocs in the lobby, first of all, that there's a chance that there's dragons in Murlocs out. That Murloc player has to survive the gauntlet, right? Like they got to survive all these other mid game uh, comps and also including the Cthulhu dragons. That's beating them up because they can't really keep up in this escalated war in the mid game. So it's hard to get poison now. And if it's hard to get poison and it's hard to stay alive for you to get that poison, man, what a meta for Cthulhu dragons. It's easy to see why it is so freaking good. You click the button for two mana, you get way more stats than anyone should be able to get. Like, we're talking, like, it's almost like a free golden brand, free, like, whatever mega scaling unit you want to think about that much stats with just stupid two drops. And yeah, you could toss in the Nadina at the end. You don't even need it. What I've seen people do as well is pick up a Prester's uh, py Pyrospawn. And what that helps do is up against these mech comps that are trying to kind of like, uh, not cheese you, but kind of cheese you. Because let's face it, I, I don't want to talk about cheese when Cthulhu Dragon is the <laughs> ultimate cheese here. They want to cheese you with Divine Shields. Prestor's Power Spawn takes care of that, right? Whenever any dragon attacks, it pings it first for at least three damage. So it gets rid of the shield and then you attack in. Um it's kind of perfect. Like, you could just pick that up for a final fight if you are facing mechs as well. And you're just like, I don't give a damn about your Divine Shields because I always ping it off with my supersized dragons. And, like, what, your Deflecto is 40 attack? Maybe even 50 attack? That's like a sixth of the health of one of my mid-sized units. Like, it doesn't even matter. My biggest unit is going to be, like, 500 health. I don't give a damn about that. It's broken. So, at okay. this point... Like so, Cthulhu aside, how are dragons? Okay, so Cthulhu aside, dragons are good. Like they're they're uh, Terragosa allows interesting playstyles, right? Like um, I think the dragons overall have increased in strength in the mid game. Because they really didn't have a mid game previously. So mm -hmm. <laughs> saying that they increased in power in the mid game is sort of like, well, they had none before. But yeah, they are stronger in the mid game now. They are not as reliant on Calgos, which is previously like 
I got to work my way up to Calgos, otherwise I have zero scaling. Now they have some ways of scaling, right? There's also ways to use Wolf Smuggler uh, that is not purely like cheese way. You can just use a quote mm-hmm. normally um, and do that. Evolve Chroma Wing is a nice addition. Like the, uh, so it's fine. Um, one of the problems is that Calgos has not aged as well as other mm-hmm. scaling units. Like you get it at the end and you're just like, I might look at it and poke at it. It's like, come on, do more. <laughs> it's like, do more. Now, Double Calagos is still very good. And you'll see some players still pop off with it super hard, like Shutterwalk does. But it's like, remember when you had um, the the Super High Roll from like the OG Omu when it first came out. And you're just like, well, Tier 6 Elementals suck. But you'll see the Omu with like double mm. little rag super early. And then they explode with elementals like that doesn't mean rag is good rag has never been good it's still not really good it's just like they did very well with it right so yeah sure you'll see like the shuttle walks go insane with cow ghosts every once in a while it doesn't really mean cow ghost is good it just means shuttle walk is very good and and they hit the the jackpot off of it so mid game dragons have gotten a little bit better cow ghosts oh man just that that scaling is it's not what it used to be, right? So overall, dragons, I think, improved a little bit because the mid-game is very important. Like, the mid-game in, in uh, Battlegrounds is very, very important. So you being able to get to that end game is nice, but you really need that double Calgos at the end. And these days, if you only have double Calgos without the Nadina or without, like, you getting it super early somehow, it's nothing. It's really nothing. You're going to die. I mean, even with Nadina, you might die to frogs anyways. But if you mm. only have double Calgos early, uh, you're 100% dead to frogs. <laughs> like, you're 110% dead to frogs. Those froggies will, will eat up your giant legendary dragons that have, like, survived for eons and, like, look down on puny mortals. How do they die? Uh, to frogs. It's like the Deathwing dies to 12 squirrels kind of thing. Yeah, uh, your, your Calgos and all of your stuff dies to, like all of these frogs like jumping on top of each other all right so uh, dragons not so good except with Cthulhu. next we're going to talk about pirates um hmm oh pirates oh pirates uh what do we want to say about pirates blood cell cannoneer is gone south sea captain is gone um Anything else gone? Seabreaker Goliath is gone. That that guy never did much. Uh, and uh, the Tide Razor is gone. So no more ship. All right. And let's let's see what they replace them with. Oh God! Of course, we're talking about pirates right when uh, Slissa raids us. So like, I feel oh God, this is gonna be bad. Um, All right. <laughs> so pirates, the new pirates that are here. So I'm gonna preview this. There are a total of five pirates being added so more than any other class there is going to be more pirates now than you've seen before uh, in the pool first tier two defiant shipwright it's a three four after you upgrade your tavern tier add a random pirate to bob's tavern okay a little a little in pirate synergy here for otherwise uh for otherwise normal statted minion Next up, Briny Bootlegger, tier 3, 4-4. Four, four. At the end of your turn, if you have another pirate, add a gold coin to your hand. Okay, a little bit of resource generation at the cost of some stats. 
Next up, another tier 4, 5-3. After a card is added to your hand, give another random pirate plus 1 plus 1. Coins are cards. Um, so you get a little bit of uh, pirate buffing here as well on tier 4. Tier 5, Tony Two Tusk, 4-6. Avenge 5. Five things have to die for this to trigger. Make another friendly pirate golden permanently. Ho- hope it hits your hogger. <laughs> Finally, you have Nosy Looter at tier six. Uh, kind of not like to replace the ship, but instead of the ship. And it is every two turns, add a random golden minion to your hand. All right. And, and a 7-6. It's a 7-6. Okay. Uh, let's talk about pirates overall. First of all, Nosy Looter, man probably just one of the most worthless <laughs> like useless six drops they've ever printed you can tell me if something was more useless than nosing looter but i i see like no purpose in nosing looter something like zap you don't want a lot of times but in some matchups it's the key to you winning right like zap just wins you some matchups like for a beast right now um the, the thing i'm disappointed in with pirates is that it didn't Blizzard didn't address a lot of the issues that pirates had before, which Mm -hmm. was pure pirates was always so weak. Probably the weakest pure class. Now, I know some of you guys like probably watch Sliss's videos or let's say like Dog's videos and and, like see them do APM pirates. And it's like, Murps, how can you say golden selfless plus a board full of like 300, 300 minions is weak? Yeah, well, it's getting there. That's the problem. (laughs) And part of the issue is pirates have always relied so heavily uh, to a detriment on Hogger, and they still do. Peggy, uh, the new tier four unit, is nice, but it doesn't solve this problem where what Peggy solves is smoother scaling. So before you had the uh you had the salty looters and those got buffed up big and you had to rely on the four three to buff other things peggy makes this infinite pirate scaling a lot smoother as in peggy will automatically buff other peggies it'll buff your hoggers it'll buff uh whatever other pirates you have on the board right it'll buff that eliza if you have it so everything is a lot smoother now but you guys will know if you're playing pure pirates the first hogger is helpful but it doesn't do much. It's the second hogger that really supercharges it. And then once you get like a gold hogger and then the fourth hogger, like the fourth hogger is like, okay, I have just added infinite amount of stats, right? Like I actually go infinite with four hoggers, two hoggers or golden hogger. It's nice, but it's, you know, you don't go like true infinite uh, in a way enough for you to guarantee you uh the golden selfless to guarantee you all of that stuff and plus you're still constrained by the uh your apm and whatever and think about that it's like the first hogger doesn't do much for you it's the second one that does it so it's the second five drop that gets you mm-hmm. that giant power spike like what are you doing in between we just talked about beats right leapfrogger plus like rat pack plus like bird buddy all these tier three units you just get like one of those uh each and then you know mix in some other units that's great. That's like, uh, that'll like tide you over. But with pirates, like this mid game, man, that's rough. You got no divine shields, right? You got no divine shields. Uh, you just got pure stats. You're not building your stats up to the same degree as everyone else. So you just need hogger. 
I was really hoping Blizzard would address this reliance on Hogger, but instead they leaned into it more. You need Hogger more than ever now if you want to play pure pirates. And yeah, there's interesting stuff you can do with like, let's say Millhouse, right? Millhouse tilts it because of the unique way that he buys things and sells things. And I saw this interesting game recently where uh, they combine like Peggy with also elementals, like the recycling wraith. That was, I think, interesting. But generally, pirates have always been strong as an accessory, as in Hogger is the accessory to other comps, or they're powerful through scam comp. But that's really the power of Baron plus Cadgar not through pirates as a class. It's like, what's the MVP of that comp or what, what's the thing that makes it tick? It's Baron Cadgar, right? It's uh, not a pirate comp. It's not a pirate comp. It, it's a comp that has pirates. So that's the thing that I'm disappointed in the most. I was hoping that they would smooth it out by addressing Hogger. And if you want to think about pirates, and, pure pirates. And Cadgar. Uh, yeah, I mean, I know you're not happy about Cadgar. I'm not happy about Cadgar either, but, you know, that, we can talk about, about that in Cadgar? That was one of the biggest misses. That's just like, they they just decided to quadruple down on a problematic thing that's always been problematic. Yeah, so, if anything, if you want to play pure pirates, um, you need Hogger more than ever now, and earlier. Not just because, like oh, Hogger is more powerful now, it's because of the way that the game is structured. You need the Hoggers a little bit earlier to be more impactful for you to keep up. Because people are using that 15 damage shield. People are getting these really ridiculously powerful econ in the mid game or just power in the mid game. Power equaling like these mid game beasts, right? Econ the impatient doomsayer feeding these demon comps way too much stats and money that they're supposed to get. And you as a pure pirate player, you have to get double hogger super fast. And like, how are you doing that, right? You can get lucky and do it. You can skillfully get it through like econ and play. It's just become harder for pure pirate players. And once again, don't give me the example of like, oh, uh, someone made tier six elementals work that means little rag is great and elementals are fine right no it doesn't like there's still a problem with like tier six elementals uh it you know sometimes you can make it work and make it pop off ultra hard but man look at like what beasts are able to do with a tier two leapfrogger versus what pure pirates have to do with hogger right so that's kind of disappointing um is it fun? I think a lot of people are going to have fun playing pirates. You're not going to have fun dying as pirates if you want to go pure pirates. Uh, and the most effective way to play pure pirates, just as it has always been, don't start off as pirates. <laughs> uh, what you want to do is, like, once you get the first hogger, that could potentially be a triple. There have been very few times where I've seen streamers, and from personal experience, I've played a lot. Uh, you just don't go pure pirates from the beginning because you will die. You don't have the space necessary in order to find pirates. I have done an infinite pirate game in this meta. I started off as beasts, like the ultimate secure mid-game comp. And then I got a hogger because I missed on my like tier 5 beast discover. And then I went up to 5 and I, I think I just got like double hogger immediately. I was like, all right, well, the game wants me to go pirates. 
I have a golden hogger now, I can do it. And then I use that with like Peggy's and all of the stuff that I pick up in order to craft a winning composition. But that would be my advice. If you want to go pirate, let the game come to you. Do not get baited into early pirates. You can, you will almost never get baited with early yeah, beasts. Yeah, I was about to say. You no, can get baited with, with early pirates. How are you going to get baited with early pirates? What looks tempting? And pirates on the early side. Some people like pirates, okay? Some people like oh, pirates. okay, so they're not getting baited. They're just stubbornly trying to go pirates yes. despite nothing looking good. Uh, I mean, they could look at, like, double salty looter and be like, ooh, maybe. All right, that's fair. That's fair. Salty looter is is still in there. But even salty looter now, it got, it got power creep pretty hard, I think. Um, but okay, so these new early and mid-range pirates, they're not, they're not cutting it. They don't look like they're cutting it, and they're not cutting it, um, to, for, for the pirates. Uh, so Tony Tusk, how often does that work out? Never. <laughs> do, do, do not, okay, I have talked about these ways, never do Tony. Tony never Okay, works. okay, Tony, Tony Tusk is works. on the Murps shit list okay it, it, no it, it does not work if you're putting tony in i'm like where, where have you failed like there are okay i'm talking about the fringe cases in which pirates work and tony doesn't even work in those cases <laughs> that is asking way too many units to die and i understand right it's like in order to make something golden because you have the chance of making an eliza golden Scam you have com. a chance of making uh hogger golden and yeah you have scallywags but like no, it doesn't work. It just doesn't work. Um, so, because the engines that drive your kind of composition, if you didn't have it, then you mm -hmm. don't have it. Like, you're probably not going to get it by luck. I'm, I'm sure some people might be like, oh, I had this game work. Tony worked. Good for you. So, so what Chad is saying is you make sure there's just Tony and one other pirate so Tony can't miss. And then you make that pirate, also known as Hogger, golden. You could. <laughs> Once again, these fringe cases were like, you had a Hogger, and you picked the Hogger, and then you had the Tony, and then you had other... St I, I, like, is it these so, fringe you're cases... Because like, your basic thing sure. is like, you need two Hoggers, right? You need two Hoggers to go with pirates, or else kind of stay away from pirates. What if you have a Hogger and a Tony? How often can you make that Hogger into gold? On, the, on that next turn. I mean, you, you can just get, like, if you had Scallywags, if you had Acolytes of Cthulhu's, if you had, like, um, you know, these these small things that you had anyways. Like, if mm -hmm. you went to Tier 5 and then you saw a Hogger and a Tony in, in, in the same shop, you're like, in the shop. there you go. So, yes, there are those times, right? But, no, <laughs> Tony doesn't... It, it, if it's thrown at you, it's like, sure. But, no, it doesn't. Okay. It, it doesn't work in an organic fashion, really. Mm -hmm. And, like, when, when we're talking about... Let's say, uh, I always go back to Beast, and I'm sorry for beating on this drum, but Beasts are, like, so meta, okay. and they're but so But Beasts good. are going to get nerfed. Who knows, man? Oh, that, the day. Who I knows? mean, there's no way Blizzard wants this to happen. I beasts are going to get I, I have no idea. Uh, but, and I, once again, I keep talking about Beasts, but it's, it's about the progression. The naturalness of the progression, the smoothness of the power ramp. Beasts are there, right? Pirates mm -hmm. have always suffered from this, continue to suffer from it, and uh, they have gotten good units. Like, I think Peggy is so good for infinite pirates. Like, Peggy is so good. The problem is, 
getting to that point. So Peggy doesn't help you get there. It just smooths out the the stat distribution once you are there. And then Peggy is a house once you're there. But man, the reliance on Hogger is rough. And they haven't changed it. I guess they won't change it, you know? Like, we, we talked about... Yeah, uh, like they just this quadruple before. down on it. They have, yeah, they really have went all in on saying we like hogger like peggy and these new units uh are it, it's kind of like uh them expressing their faith in hogger so mm. if you want to play pure know. pirates once again don't do it from the start you can transition have to, to change it. pirates again at some point uh, yeah I, I i feel the same way i feel the same way um like it's just not a buff and nerf situation here um all right let's move on to elementals elementals okay you tell me but outside of gar which is gone did any other elementals leave arcane assistant arcane assistant left yes okay so the three one got replaced got it got it okay yep that makes sense. Uh, three 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 yeah yeah, the three. I mean, the the three tier tier three one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so arcane assistant got removed. Okay, that makes more sense because I'm like, God, they added a lot of elementals and they only took one away. Okay, so they took two away. They added four. You're gonna see more elementals in your shops now. Uh, the ones they added are the tier three one, Smogger, three three tier three battle cry. Give a friendly elemental stats equal to your tavern tier. Um, so there's your buff and elemental one, a little basic. Uh, next one is tier four. Tier four, four, five, Avenge two. Elementals in Bob's Tavern have plus one, plus one for the rest of the game. So now you have a mini Nomi coming in on four. Also on tier four, Recycling Wraith, uh, five, four elemental. After you play an elemental, your next refresh costs zero. Um... And finally, tier six, Master of Realities to replace Gar. Six, six, Taunt. After a friendly elemental gains stats, gain plus one, plus one. Yep. All right. Um, Elementals got some nice tools. Uh, The real standout, you know, we can talk a little bit about uh, kind of like how Smogger is nice. If you just think about it, Smogger is a lot of stats, right? So mm-hmm. Smogger replaced Arcane uh, Assistant. Arcane Assistant gave buffs to your entire board. Smogger gives a buff on the thing that you want the most, which is probably going to be Cyclone Elemental, which is probably going to be... almost the entire board. Like, the, almost the same amount of stats as the entire board. Yeah, definitely. And you get to concentrate it on whatever you want. That's really nice. The standout addition to Elementals, the thing that really elevated them to uh, the next level is Recycling Wraith. This thing is crazy good. Now, is it as good as the the stuff that I've previously talked about uh, being Impatient Doomsayer and Leapfrogger? No, it's not that good, but Recycling Wraith is ridiculous for the strongest play style of Elementals that there was before. That's obviously not Tier 6 Elementals. You guys know how much I've pooped on tier six elementals because tier six elementals are bad you spend too much gold to gain but, not enough stats but what about master of realities master of realities what it's it's it was slash like decent I, there, it was like a little bit bugged it got like a little bit too much stats at the end of the day though master of realities it's like even if you buff it huge which i know was fairly easy at some point um eh 
it's like a singular unit, right? It doesn't really change mm-hmm. the way that elementals were. It's like you add a big unit to something to a tribe that like got big units very easily, right? Uh, mm-hmm. That's a lot less exciting than how do you get big uh, sooner? How do you get big with less money? Like that's the most important thing in BGs. So the two most powerful uh, and most, I guess, econ-friendly elemental builds were Nomi and Major Domo, right? And with Major Domo, lots of times it wasn't just like pure Domo. It was like Domo fueled by other stuff. Uh, and you can use Domo on like, let's say, uh, a cleave, like the Hydra as well. Um, Recycling Wraith is amazing uh, at doing that because it just... You, you're doing the same thing that you used to do, and every single turn you're just gaining, what, like minimum three gold at least? That's really disgusting. And if you golden Recycling Wraith, your next two refreshes cost zero. So the amount of econ that you're gaining through these builds that just want you to be recycling elementals over and over and over again, whether that's Nomi or Major Domo, uh, Recycling Wraith just supercharges it. So you are going to buy any elemental anyways and recycling wraith just says now you gain an obscene advantage doing this thing that you used to be able to do and it's one thing uh, it's one of those things that has made millhouse absolutely crazy in this patch now millhouse right now is about as good as uh daryl and galewing that's like very very good so Millhouse is still very good with dragons, but its number two tribe is elementals for good reason. Uh, now, whenever you buy an elemental with uh, Recycling Wraith, you are effectively just gaining gold. Uh, you don't even need like two Recycling Wraiths. You can just have one Recycling Wraith. Uh, and if you're playing Major Domo, if you are playing um, Nomi, Millhouse is broken with just one Recycling Wraith. And even if you aren't playing those, you can put something like a Recycling Wraith on your board. And as Millhouse, if you buy a Selimental, you have just gained an obscene amount of gold. It's such a good econ unit. Um, you can sprinkle this into some mix comps as well. But man, this has really supercharged the preferred Elemental play style, which is Nomi's or to a lesser extent, Major Domo. All right. Um, so that's elementals. And uh, finally, we have cool bores. Uh, cool bores, they replaced uh, Thorncaller with another three uh, tier three minion. So Thorncaller used to give you uh, a blood gem on uh, Battle Cry and Death Rattle. And now you're replacing it with a 2 4 cool bore that is gem splitter. After a friendly minion loses divine shield, gain a blood gem. It's fine. You're actually not going to be using this in cool bore comps a lot of the times. So you'll be using this in mech comps. And you can just look at it as either um, a replacement or a, an addition to a grease spot because it works in similar fashions, right? Um, with both of these, it's like whenever you lose a Divine Shield, you're gaining some stats. So Gem Splitter, you're going to see as a temporary unit in mech comps much more often than you'll see it in any sort of cool bore thing. Gem Splitter, I don't see it being bought a lot. I personally don't buy it a lot either, um, but it's uh, it, it's fine. I, I've seen it stay in a composition for like one or two turns, mm-hmm. you know? 
Um, I think it's analogous to like the budding green thumb in that way. You know, they're the same tier. They do kind of similar things. Uh, Grease spot is typically better in the situations that you want to use it for. So that's why you don't you won't see gem splitter very often. And so as, how does the rest of Cool Boars stack up with uh, all the new tribes? Yeah, I think Cool Boars are okay. One of the problems is. Uh, if you look at pure quill bores, um, man, they just don't scale fast enough these days. <laughs> they don't make them like they they used to. Uh, or <laughs> uh, these new tribes, like the new Cthune dragons, it's like in a different category. But the new beasts and the new mechs and the new demons, gosh, they just get out so fast and they finish well, right? Like demons probably finish the worst out of all of them in terms of finishing late game comps. Uh, but their mid-game is so strong. Beasts are just strong throughout mechs, uh, whether through Omega Buster, whether through Mechorol, and, and they can just get their deflectos much bigger during the game through these Grease Bots uh, and Gem Splitters as well. So uh, the problem is Quill Bores, if you remember when they first came out, they dominated the mid-game and they dominated the late-game. Their mid-game has gotten progressively weaker and weaker and weaker, um, and their end game now, because this arms race has been happening for a really long time, they nerfed um, uh, tough tu- or not tough tusk like the uh, the tier six unit that gives one blood gem per four gold. Um, mm-hmm. You could revert back now, and I don't think it would be like supremely overpowered. Um, so the best use for Quillbores was actually through Menagerie, right? It's like, if you got the god pure Quillbore build, that's cool and everything, uh, but the best use of Quillbores was always through Menagerie. Um, flat Tusk. Uh, so it was Agam, Flat Tusk, and then you, you would just buff it in that way. Part of the problem with Menagerie generally, because Agam Flat Tusk is still quite good, Once again, it's getting there that's the issue. Because if Menagerie is weaker, and by weaker I mean you don't have Mithrax, that big giant stat stick to stabilize you in the mid-game slash late mid-game. Light Fang is a giant Kek W. My gosh, like plus two, plus two, no matter how early on, that that doesn't do anything. Uh, So that's a giant Kek W. Um, Bran for... Like, what are you going to do? You're going to mess around, buy some, like, buffs with Bran, like, waste your gold, waste your time with that? That, it doesn't do enough. So, like, the setup to get to Agam Flat Tusk is hard. And even if you get it, you have a decent chance of dying to, I'll call it, the true endgame compositions now, which is going to be uh, Cthune Dragon, which is going to be Beast, literally any sort of beasts, because beasts are overpowered right now. Um, giant demons can still beat you. Uh, giant mechs, whether through like just being bigger than they used to be, or like the new Goldrin, like the Omega Buster Cheese, uh, they can beat you like that. Um, Menagerie is just a little bit too fair now. You can still win. It's just a little bit too fair in a meta that has tr- is trending more and more towards super busted unfair cheesy stuff mm-hmm. that's the problem it's harder to get there in order to set it up 
and the payoff is a little bit less. And if the payoff is not as big, why are you setting it up in the first place? You might as well just buy the Leapfrogger and try try to go for that. Yep. yep. And keep in mind, there's still like a thumb on the scale in the entire meta right now from the damage cap that yeah. will hopefully be changed in a way to be less of a thumb in the scale. Um, so, so for something like Quillbores that's supposed to be mid-game centric, like that was the original design. So I don't know that Blizzard is all that upset that it's not particularly successful in the late game because it's supposed to be mid-game centric. And right now it's just, well, one beast. But even if you take beast out of the equation, it, the dominating the mid-game isn't what it used to be. And that's that's something that can be fixed pretty easily, actually. And I feel like Blizzard will do it uh, sooner rather than later. Yeah. So, all right, look, <laughs> we have spent a long time. Like, this is the biggest BG patch. We knew this is going to go on for a while. Mm -hmm. So it's almost been two hours. Closing thoughts. I'm going to say a couple of things. I've said it before, uh, but I want to make sure I leave you with this. The power creep right now is... Pretty crazy. You have a lot of heroes that are capable of power leveling. The 15 damage shield is something that the best players are utilizing very, very well. What are things that you want to do to learn and copy? Number one, I said this before, if you are finding yourself leveling to tier two on turn two, the vast majority of times you are doing it wrong. You should be staying on tier one a decent amount of time. I, I can't give you exact percentage because the heroes are all different, but you should be doing it a lot more than you used to do. Um, this is with like all heroes as well, right? And collecting the, the tier one um, tokens, just trying to triple up easier to be able to pop off. Um, so what are you trying to triple into? Tier four, tier five? Most of the time it's going to be tier five because tripling into tier sixes like immediately, right? That's pretty tough. Um, I would say the only hero that can do that like really well is Shutterwalk because they can get like five uh, or like, you know, four or five triples immediately on that pop off turn. So they can go for like some sixes and then just get the biggest power spike uh, that anyone can see. But it's really hard for other heroes. And I would say, frankly, inadvisable for other heroes to just be like, all right, I'm weak. And then I'm just. I'm only going to get like one or two tier six units. That's a losing formula for this meta. Um, so Shutterwalk is able to pull it off because Shutterwalk sometimes is able to get like four to five triples on that one turn. And then they get all those six drops and it's fine because there's consistency there. With other heroes, tier five units are very strong, uh, whether they are the flawed hogger that we talked about mama bear is strong um you can pick up like a, a croc baron is so good just because it's a beast meta so you're, you're always going to find a use for baron uh in there but um yeah you, you want to be tripling into tier fives a decent amount of times that's kind of <laughs> i'm gonna say that's kind of it you know after two hours that's sort of it my experience i've been playing bgs uh a good amount it's been fun i would say blizzard it's like you know is this sort of a success or a failure on blizzard's end with this patch success it's it's a good success mm -hmm. there's no way you can expect perfection there was some broken stuff there continues to be some broken or 
if not broken, very cheesy strats that are left in the game right now. I would say some people are rightfully so not so happy about Leapfrogger. Uh, Whelp Smuggler is problematic. And then there's stuff that is working as intended, but might be a little bit too strong, which is the impatient doomsayer crowd, right? Like that, that group there. But it's a fun game. There's lots of strategies. I found that there are many games in which I come out of it. I reflect on it. I'm like, I made so many mistakes. Like I, I didn't scout enough. Um, I played this poorly. I made this bad decision here and there. And that's where I want to be at. You know, I want to be good enough to be able to identify these mistakes and mm-hmm. then to potentially learn from it. I'm very inspired watching a lot of streams and seeing how these players are making new strategies and also just these interesting forks in the road uh, that I might have decided one way before, or they have identified this fork that I never even saw before. Like, that's the most important thing. I'm like, oh, God, I didn't even consider that. So there's a ton to learn. If you're finding that you are a little bit overwhelmed, I am a little bit as well. Um, But if you think that they made a lot of things too random, that's not the case. You see these streamers. I, I talk about this for Arena all the time. Um, if you're just really annoyed and and being like, oh gosh, like I keep on facing these people, they hit me for 30, there was nothing I could do, there was something you could have done. Sometimes there's nothing you could do, but there's like, there's a reason that the players who are on the top of the leaderboard now, like a week into the meta, are the same that it's always been. Uh, there's, you know, you, you're probably doing something wrong if you're frustrated. I get frustrated too sometimes because of the way that the game is. But you got to set yourself up for the high roll. You have to be realistic about your chances. You have to take the leapfroggers. <laughs> I, I can't stress this enough. Take the leapfroggers. You, if you are passing on leapfroggers, like I was watching Drez the other night. He's like, I'm going to be flexible. And he passes up leapfrogger and parrot. I'm like, what are you doing, bro? What are you doing? Just admit that you want to high roll dragons, okay? Just be honest <laughs> with yourself. You want to high roll dragons, that's fine. But you got to take the frog and you got to take the parrot. Um, but no, I, I think it's fun. And I, you know, I've, I've kind of quote complained about quite a few things in this meta and I just want to make it clear. That's understandable. There was no way mm-hmm. with this giant overhaul. We previewed wizard. this. Yeah. We previewed this last week. We said this was going to be a total mess, most likely with some chance of it being not super terrible. Well, we're in that some chance of it not being super terrible. And wizard, so this is like a success. They as did far a as great a, yeah. job considering right considering Mm -hmm. all this stuff um and it's very fun it's very very fun so if you haven't checked out bgs definitely check it out i would definitely suggest you guys if you want to learn like watch streams from leaderboard players because that's the fastest way to learn that was the best way for me to learn i was away from the game for like more than eight months or so and i played a little bit but by far the best way for me to learn was to watch uh streams of leaderboard players to really supercharge my own learning i'm excited this obviously shows that blizzard is going all in and is really supporting bgs on like arena but this is a good direction uh it's super duper fun yes the power level is high but there's kind of just one way to go for power levels um lots of interesting decisions to be made and I look forward to what they do. Like, we're definitely going to get kind of adjustments or nerfs or changes 
if not soon, sooner than what we've seen with Arena, which is like never. Uh, because there's okay. quite anything a few. is sooner than what we've seen with Arena. Anything is sooner than never, I guess. Yes, exactly. You're starting with an infinite zero here. Um, all right. Well, that's that's our our coverage here. We're about to hit the two hour mark. Um, shout out to our Patreons. We're gonna do the 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 individual shout outs next week uh, but thank you guys so much for all of your support including our new patreons from uh joining us from last week and um i want to end on uh, on something that i talked about like in the last stream i don't know about the last podcast but uh i finally saw shang chi uh on uh, saturday and i have to say you gotta go and watch it unless you totally hate all superhero movies like there's even a crack in your like superhero hate and you like like i don't know maybe guardians maybe like cap 2 maybe the avengers whatever if there's any mcu movie that you like you should go and watch shang chi uh it is by far the best action in the entire that marvel has ever done and the story is extremely emotional in a way like marvel almost like you don't expect this and this is a little bit of spoilers but not really but they cast essentially two comedians as their like leads and then the story is not very funny so if you're expecting thor ragnarok you're not going to get it but uh it it was a surprising turn and all for the good uh tony long is is freaking amazing as usual um and i i put a tier list out as a tweet uh before watching just to just to see where this falls and uh i i think i ended up giving it like a number seven or number eight out of all the movies and there's like 25 marvel movies so far um but Definitely, especially if you're into the action part of an action movie. This is this is top-notch stuff. Um, so, so go check it out. Um, it also has right now a 98% audience score on Rotten Tomatoes. So anybody who has thought that they may like it has actually liked it. 98% is freaking insane. For an audience score, that is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Like... I mean, it's just it doesn't mean that it's the greatest movie ever and it's not the greatest movie it's not even the greatest marvel movie ever but it's a consistently fun movie to watch and it's just hard for me to imagine somebody who thinks that they may or may not like this movie going in and walk out and being like no i actually didn't like it like That's crazy. It, just, it, it doesn't quite confuse i don't even know who those two percent people are because like, like that was surprising to me that must have been like i don't know who aquafina was i walked in and i realized i hated her and she's in there throughout the entire movie, <laughs> she, she, which some is people possible. Do find her annoying. Some people, yeah, do find like her like there's. I mean, I love Aquafina, but um, I could totally understand if you absolutely hate it and she'll ruin the entire movie for you. But that aside, I don't see how anyone could walk in with a with a even remotely open mind and come out and being like this was like below a five out of ten, you know, or even below a six out of ten. That's crazy because like the audience score for Infinity War, which a lot of people mm -hmm. like, right? Like, yeah, that's, really that's like. one of my top movies. Right. So we're not talking about Endgame. We're talking about Infinity War, mm -hmm. the actual, like, better movie. Yeah, the Thanos uh, movie. That's only 91%. 91% yeah. for an audience look score. At, look really at Guardians good. of the Galaxy. Like, that was, like, universally loved, right? That's my number one Marvel movie. And uh, I think that one's also, like, only, like, that one's below 95% too. Um, so we're still in the early times, right? Like most of the people who watch it are people who really think that they're going to like it because it's opening weekend, but, yeah. and that score is going to go down. But I think this is going to end up being one of the like most liked, uh, Marvel movies, especially among, um, the, the, the what do you call them? Uh, the first movie, like the, 
the hero's journey the or- of establishing yeah, the a character. Story. Yeah. Yeah. And like origin stories are typically, they don't do as well as later ones for whatever reason with the audience, even though they do do better with critics normally. Um, cause they usually have a more cohesive story, but here, this is going to be, uh, this is going to end up as one of the good ones. And, you know, as, as Asian Americans, uh, I think at least, uh, I think Merbs is watching it next weekend, but I obviously felt pretty connected to it. Uh, I was also born in, uh, born in China and grew up here much like, uh, a lot of the characters in the, in the movie, but even without that, it's like one of the top. Um, yeah. so check it out. Felt like I should give it a plug here. All right. Uh, yeah. And uh, tune in next week when we'll hopefully they push the button and we'll have something in the arena side to talk about. Or if not, we'll talk more BGs and delve into uh, some more specific strategies besides beasts, which, which beasts. there will. There, they, in many, many, many lobbies, there are no beasts. Beasts. And then you can't take beasts. It's beast. Okay. You can't take leapfroggers when they're not in the game, dude. I figure out a way. Win the (laughs) lobby. All right. All right. Until next time, this is Adwikta. This is Merp. See you guys. Enjoying the Light Forge? For the full rundown on Hearthstone Arena draft strategy, card review, and arena gameplay, follow us on YouTube, Twitter, or twitch.tv at ADWCTA. Support the podcast by sharing us with your friends and family, or become a patron at patreon.com slash grinning goat. Thank you for tuning in, and see you next week.